Welcome to the Butter Chicken Podcast, hosted by DJ Sharad and DJ Juicy. Ooh. We focus on the stories of individuals who are making great impact in society and culture. The Butter Chicken Experience is well-cooked, thought-provoking conversation. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the vibes. You got the culture? What up, everybody? It's your boy, DJ Sherrod, CEO and founder of DJ USA, and welcome to the Butter Chicken Podcast. Here with my brother for life, my guy, DJ Juicy. What up, Juice? What's poppin', Sherrod? Can What's you believe on? we're finally sitting over here? It's a long time coming, man. A lot of, lot of dreams, a lot of aspirations, and all the roads lead to this one place over here, I feel. You know, I think this is going to be an incredible run, and I think we have so much to to tell the world about and and really share with everybody absolutely man i couldn't agree with you more it's it's time to really let everybody know what what we're doing what everybody else in our community is doing and and just really just highlight that and showcase that so juice i've been working with you for pretty much half my life at this point what is butter chicken man like what is this whole butter chicken thing about why are we sitting here I think butter chicken is, I think it's safe to say that uh, it's the national dish of India. When people think of Italian food, the first thing that comes to mind is pasta. When they think of food that's indigenous to New York, it's like pizza. But butter chicken is indigenous to India and um, Indian specifically. And it's a celebratory dish that we have during functions. Um, and it's uh, it's complex in flavors. It has many layers, but it's very simple, um, and uh, it's just one of those things that, you know, it's, it's a conversation piece. Every time you, you eat butter chicken, there's always conversation, and there's always some sort of talk about whatever it is that's going on in life. If you're, you're like I mentioned, it's celebratory, so if you're at a wedding, you're talking about, you know, the, the couple, and, you know, if it's uh, at a family party, you're just talking about good old times and things like that. So butter chicken is a dish that Indians eat. Um, at celebratory events, and uh, it's something that represents us and our culture. So We're going to make sure that everybody knows what butter chicken is after this, for sure. I think everybody's going to be... All the Indian restaurants' numbers are going up because everybody's <laughs> ordering butter chicken after this. Yeah, let me ask you something. What do you eat your, your, your butter chicken with? Do you prefer it with rice, or do you prefer it with some sort of naan or roti or some bread? Like, wh- wh- How do you eat it? Honestly, it's crazy. Like I was thinking about that the other day. It's, it's really based on like my mood. Sometimes, you know, when I, when I used to eat it at home, my mom used to cook it. Well, she still cooks it, but I don't live at home anymore, obviously. But I used to eat it with rice, just straight rice. But when I go to a, like a party, I'll eat it with bread. So it just really depends on where I'm at. But um, but yeah, I like it with both, man. I love butter chicken. I love just the gravy with rice. I don't even need the chicken sometimes. What? Nah, absolutely, you need that bro. texture in it, man. No, absolutely. But the, the gravy is so amazing that you could just eat it on its own. Yeah, that's that's, that's definitely true, man. But uh, but you mix anything else with it, right? The onions, anything like that? Is it just do, plain? Depends on the depends on the situation. Right. I'll, I'll go. Sometimes I'll do a little yogurt. Sometimes I'll do plain. Sometimes I'll throw some salad on top of it. Don't, doesn't really matter. As long as long as it's cooked right, it's all good. I think my wife makes phenomenal butter chicken. Word. Phenomenal. Nisha's butter chicken is slamming. You've had it. I've had it. She's done butter chicken. We do butter chicken pizza. What? Absolutely. Switching it up, huh? We do butter chicken empanadas. Damn. I yo. do butter chicken with pasta. So butter penne alla mukhani, butter penne alla butter chicken. Basically, basically. Okay. Okay. Um, so I kind of, I kind of wanted 
everybody to understand where we come from, um, both culturally and um, where we come from here in New York and, and, and what led us to this point and, and why we're doing this thing and why we're, we're, we're kind of creating this content um, and, and who are we creating this content for. Um, for me, I feel like there's generations on top of us, you know, the people that brought us here, our parents, that have been inspirational to us. Um, you know, I'm the son of immigrant parents. I know you are as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that came here to this country with nothing. My dad came here with, you know, what every other Indian parent came here with, $8. <laughs> right? It's always $8. Air India ticket, economy It's always class. $8 specifically. And they made a life for us. And then we're here and we're born in New York City. We're both, I'm born in Queens, you're born in Queens. And our parents, you know, took us to a point where we're here now and we're successful businessmen but there's there's a story in that and for me the whole butter chicken podcast was to really not just tell our story but tell the story of many children of immigrant parents many immigrants themselves many people who came to this country and made it many people who came out west from back home in south asia and made it and did something positive because that to me is inspiration. We know so many people that we meet, that we deal with on a daily basis that inspire us every single day. Yeah, I think that people always want to hear the underdog story. You know, it's uh, in the American dream over here, it's, it's just something, whether you're from any country, but, you know, everyone has their own perspective. And hearing the underdog story, hearing about the American dream really just is insightful, man. So, so let, let's tell people a little bit about your story. I know, I know your your Punjabi background. I am Punjabi, yes. So, so tell us, tell us what happened when, where, from the beginning. Tell, tell us, tell the tell the listeners what it, what DJ Juicy is DJ, all about and where right. Juicy's from. Damn. All right. Cool. Well, um, yeah. And then, then you could tell them how we met and I changed your life. <laughs> okay. Forever, forever gonna hold on to that. So yeah, I I uh, I grew up in Floral Park in a small town in Floral Park known as Bell Rose. Um, by Jamaica Ave. And, shout out uh, to Van Buren. Shout out to Van Buren. Um, and uh, I was just a, a young kid who always had older friends, man. And uh, I just couldn't really vibe with people my age because I just wanted to see what else was out there and what the other guys were doing. Uh, it was always intriguing to me. So um, right from, from when I was a little kid, I was always just um, hanging out with older cats. And um, I was always seeing, you know, seeing what they were doing, playing ball. I would play ball with them, try to play ball with them at least. They're hanging out in the corner. I want to hang out with them in the corner. I was just that annoying, persistent kid that always just wouldn't take no for an answer. And um, what that led me to was is um, one of my brother's friends um, started like a, a small DJ thing out of his house, and it was very basic equipment. Um, was that C&D Entertainment? It was C&D Entertainment, two blocks from my crib, had like two Gemini speakers that were taller than me, um, two tape decks and a mixer, not even turntables, not even wow. CD players. And he was just mixing right, and it was sloppy. It was super sloppy. But I was just, I was intrigued by that because I love music. Matter of fact, my parents always used to tell me when I was a kid, I would just cause a ruckus. But as soon as music came on, everything would just be calm. So I would just kick it by the speaker. So it, it was instilled in me since I was a little kid. And um, you know, when they were mixing these two songs together, I was just like, "This is crazy! How could you even do that?" Like, I, I didn't wait, know they was... were doing this on tape decks. They were doing this on two tape decks. It was crazy. That's to me. why they don't DJ anymore. That's why they don't DJ no more. So so then uh, that then sparked my interest, led me to um, start listening to radio more and, and DJs 
like DJ Red Alert, Funk Flex was on, um, Kid Capri I, I used to listen to as well when I was a very young kid. He was kid. on BLS at the time. And uh, yeah, and, and, and that was it. I believe it, BLS, if I'm not mistaken. So what I started doing is um, I just started like, Buying tapes. What and, year are we in now? What year is this? Can I want to say me years. Yeah, give me the chronology. This is like ninety five, ninety six ish. Okay. Uh, I was ten, eleven years old. So this is the bad boy time. This is right, right before boy. the bad boy time. The bad boy time I think was like ninety seven, which was the first Mason uh, uh, can't hold me down was the first one. I think that was ninety seven. I believe. I don't remember. Some somewhere around that time, but yeah, I was in the bad boy sh- shit right out of like uptown. I kind of was into all the bad boys stuff yeah. early. I'm a little older than you, but right. for but you, the, that's what it was. The bad boy stuff at that time was was like Biggie and shit, right? Right. So, um, but yeah, nah, and and then I just started collecting uh, CDs and tapes and and. Convinced. So you didn't you didn't start with vinyl? I I didn't start with vinyl, but this is leading me to vinyl. So I oh, okay. started collecting all this stuff, and I'm like, I'm not getting the sound that I like. It's hard for me to rewind, and then get to the cue point that I want to get to. It was just it was just too tough for me. Um, but anyway, I, I begged my father to buy me a mixer. Um, he now, bought, your father, you're in, still in Queens at this point. We're still in Queens at this point. Pops bought me the mixer. What um, mixer was it? It was a Gemini four channel with like six sound oh, effect with the, pads. With the sirens and shit. Crazy. It was cr- like, when I yeah. got that shit, yo. Like I, was, I used to play ball. I used to just hang around the corners and just wild out, whatever, fucking buy candy, anything. But when I got this mixer, I would just come home from school and just be glued on this thing. Um, but um, but yeah, no, and then. Like I said, I wasn't getting the sound that I wanted out of it. And uh, and then I just like, you know what? Records. That's what all these DJs are using. That's what some other people told me to buy. So let me start collecting some records. And um, I was just I would just cop some records. Um, but no turntables yet. No turntables yet. So you bought records before no turntables. Turntable, hoping that I would find somebody that has turntables I could use. Wow. Um, and I, I only had like six records. I, I And I can't even remember what those records are at this time. Okay. But... Um, but anyway, so then now fast forward into the year like 97. Okay. Um, my brother, who was a friend of yours. Yep. I um, met your brother in about 95 in high school. Right. And my brother. and I was 11th grade. And I asked my brother, I said, yo, like, do you know any other DJs? Do you have any friends that you can introduce me to? Like, I really want to learn this shit and I just don't know what to do at this point. And he's like, ah, just leave me alone. Leave me alone, man. Just, just, just focus on school. Focus on school. I was like, all right, whatever. Uh, just again being the persistent kid, and then which led me to introducing uh, me to you. And uh, at that point, uh, I think our first meeting was at your old partner's house, DJ Red, who lived down the block from me. Yeah, but it wasn't like a meeting, like the way we do meetings. Nah, like calendar. But invite. for for me, it was like like yeah, no. Nah, but it was official, right? For you, it was like oh my my friends, the younger brothers coming over. Like, I don't even know what you where your mindset was at that point. But I don't even remember because I was young too. Right, I was young. I looked up to like Red and them. Yeah, so. and you and you guys just would have jam sessions, right? We had a crew at that time. I was already done with SNS and. We had a crew in like '98. Me and him, me and Red did. We had Millennium, and we were throwing parties in the city, throwing parties in Queens, throwing parties in Philly, wherever. And we would, we were, at that point, we were packing nightclubs that I couldn't even get into some of them, like China Club, right? In that, in that time, yeah, crazy. And uh, and and that's and that's when my brother obviously introduced me to you, and uh, and then you just I remember you you cut up. You cut up a record. I think it was was it more more money, more problems. What year was that? That, that record came out in like, that in that time, yeah. right? Like ninety seven, ninety eight, and I was just like, "Yo, wait, what? What just happened?" Just like I was like, I used to hear shit like this on the radio. We this were doubling crazy. up on records. I mean, yeah. And then I, I came with my my milk crate, and I had those six or seven records, and like a CD, like maybe one CD book, 
and like a whole shitload of tape decks. <laughs> I don't even know what I was getting into. So it's funny, right? Like we were, we we're. I'm an Indian kid, born to immigrant parents. You and your brother, immigrant kids, born to Indian parents. Somehow, me and your brother collided amongst all the cats in that area at that time. We were all hanging out, and we were all into hip hop. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy, but right? I, but like I feel, it's crazy, but it's not. It's not because that was what it was at that time, especially where we were growing up. And I think I kind of think like now, like just just talking butter chicken, like butter chicken for us, for me, is that it's it's the the collision of our worlds, and that's really why I sit here today. It's it's made me who I am. It's it's part of our DNA. We're 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 built in hip hop. But kind of like outside, right? Yeah. Like for me, I was always outside, like looking in and looking at all these these people that some of them now we associate with and we're cool with a lot of them. But it was like we were different. Right. But amongst Indians, amongst our community, amongst South Asians, we were all heavy into dancehall, rap, mm-hmm. R&B. Everything urban. Everything. Yeah. Not for sure. And I feel I feel like we developed our own identity within that. So it was like a subculture, essentially, I feel. A hundred percent. And there was a, a lot of us at the time. And yeah. that, the parties we were doing, it was, I mean, it was thousands of kids coming, all of them South Asian. None of them, none of them really even listened to a lot of Indian music. They were yeah. all listening to rap. Right. Right. Yeah, you, and you throw an Indian song on, you mix it with with a rap record or, of course, or a reggae record. You just you just messed everybody up at that point. You're like, damn, that was crazy. And that that really, I I believe, was the start of what everyone is calling urban desi now. One hundred percent. Like for us, that was it. When we would take like the Mona Lisa instrumental, or the and, murder she wrote, Bam Bam Rhythm, right? Right, and put it over like <clears throat> Abje Sakoy or something like that, and just make people lose their minds especially girls on the dance floor yeah it was crazy it was nuts and so, and so the, at that time did you were you into indie music i was what? i was so so the cds that i was buying were remix cds by indian djs pinto johal bobby uh dj jitin bobby pinto johal dj jitin uh yep. J, J dobby made one or two back then we gotta I add that out we gotta add that out <laughs> um snowman um, there was a bunch of OGs, man. Um, um, Snowman, he had ABC one. Productions, Zach and all Sanj, that yeah, all Canadians. that shit. All Sanj that. is still doing it. By Word. So on this podcast, maybe we'll get Sanj. That would be crazy. Maybe man. we'll hit Sanj when Sanj is in town. We'll get him. We'll get we'll, we'll get his story. And I think that's what what we're gonna end up doing is getting the stories of not just DJ Juicy and DJ Sharad, but the stories of people that have inspired us, the people that are inspiring youth now the people that have made it the people that were that underdog like you said earlier the people that really had no choice but to make it in this country yeah anybody who made an impact i feel is who belongs on this show so what's making it is making it like what's making it to you is it is it impact is it Whether, paper what not it's, it could be anything it could be are you how are you affecting the community how much money have you made from you know what you had um you know, what are you doing? What are you setting yourself up to do? What are you, how are you lining up um, um, things to, again, to just affect the world in a positive way? So any one of those different angles, uh, I feel like deserves to be showcased. Um, and I think this is the perfect platform for that. 
You think we're going to have non-South Asian guests on this on this podcast? I hope so, man. I know so. Uh, yeah, we oh, have yeah. to because there's oh, so yeah. many people that that we that we have relationships with and that we do business with and that we just are down with and down with us that really, you know, going back 20 years when, when this whole thing started for us that maybe people weren't embracing of our culture back then. Yeah. And now they're embracing it because we've brought light to it. We've we've shown that hey, yo, we're we're Indian, we're here from New York. We represent I don't represent just Indians. I represent every brown mm-hmm. kid out. I represent Bengalis, I represent Pakistanis, I represent Sri Lankans, I represent Guyanese people, I represent I represent all that cuz ultimately we're all from the same place. So our story is very similar to the story of that, you know, that Bengali kid from Jackson Heights or that Trini kid from Richmond yeah, Hill. Everybody, everybody could relate. Everybody could relate. Absolutely. And, and over time, you know, going back to what I was saying, like 20 years ago when we were like outside of this hip hop thing, looking in and doing it on our own, but also doing it with our culture kind of built the foundation of what we have today with everything that we do look at what we do like for those listeners that that are just tuning in and and don't ever have never heard a dj Sherrod or never heard a dj juicy or don't know who we are and what we're about we've built a lifestyle around doing what we do we've genuinely built a lifestyle around it this is really what we do Absolutely. we love what we're doing yeah hell yeah right yeah. so like we say it all the time man like you just said lifestyle this like people say yo what, what do you do for work what's your job what's your career nah this is this is what i do this is a lifestyle this is not a job this is not a career yeah to all the kids kids listening like i believe in in youth empowerment I, and that's been something that i've been really pushing for like the last three or four years ever since i i had my first kid that for me at this point you know when i was younger it was all about making money Right. Mm-hmm. Everyone who knows me, you really know me. It's my early, early days was about making paper. It mm-hmm. was about making money. So everything was a hustle, like rent out clubs, make that paper. Right. DJ someone's party, make that paper. Someone needs advice. Oh, that's a consulting <laughs> fee, whatever it may be. Right. It was always about the paper. And, and in the last few years, what I've realized is, is that's cool. But paper will always come and go it will come and go and you could burn through it real quick and still be good and what's next then like you've made your paper for for me it's about it's about inspiring this next generation yeah there's so much talent um not just musically you know we we talk music a lot you know by default because i'm a dj and djing's what got me to where i'm at today right but and same for you yeah yeah, hell yeah right djing was your step into everything else that you've touched yeah for sure for sure so we could talk about the property you own and we could talk about the restaurants we have and the other things that we do but ultimately that doesn't take away the fact that we were djs first and that's our foundation so for us it was the music for Mm -hmm. me it was the music that's been the foundation that opened up the doors to everything else and we were able to finesse it not in a traditional route in a traditional manner the way you know what a normal right. or quote unquote normal is is four years of high school, four years of college. Yep. If you're Indian, you're definitely getting your master's <laughs> or your doctorate Doctor, yeah. or whatever. And then you know you're good. You you have a family, white picket fence. You get a house in Long Island. And You've appeased your parents. 
Yeah. Right. So we, I took the completely. Yeah. So 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 we heard about my youth briefly. I think I think it's important that you should shed some light on your youth. So you know. I mean, my youth is is, it's actually very similar, right? Like, so my 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 mom, my mom's from East Africa, Kenya. She's Indian descent, but from Kenya, because you know that's a whole other story of why all the Indians went to Mm -hmm. to Kenya. My dad's from India. They came. you know, they, they got married. Moment then my mom went went to London. Okay. Uh, mom and dad somehow met through you know, back then there was no Tinder and shit. Nah, nah. There was no <laughs> co- coffee meets bagel. bagel. It was like samosa meets chai. None bro. of that shit. So it was families, new families, someone sent a telegram or some shit. And they ended up meeting up in London, mm-hmm. um, and said in like one or two meetings, let's get married and move to America. In that time my dad you know, lived, he had lived in, in the West Indies for a little bit. He lived in Boston and then he ended up where most South Asians end up in our favorite borough in the world. Queens, baby. Queens, New York. They landed up in Queens, uh, birthed me in 79. And shortly thereafter, you know, Queens was, you know, we would lived right behind Left Rack. And Queens was a place that was at that time extremely dangerous. There was, there was parts of Queens where, I mean, even to this day, there's parts of Queens like that. But where they were in Corona, it was yeah. just getting really bad. Especially in the 80s, man. So with, yeah. with limited paper, like they didn't have a lot of money. Um, my dad uh, started his own garment import-export. My mom was working in an office somewhere. They just bounced to, to Long Island for the sole purpose of not having to raise me in Queens. They wanted, they were the, the they were living the American dream mm-hmm. or what we we look at from the east as the american dream yeah come here get a job make some money and give your kids a great lifestyle mm-hmm. so they went came to long island so i was raised in long island but always with an affinity to queens queens is always my heart has always been in queens it yeah. will always be in queens just try to escape long island at any given i'm never not no no because I, I long island long island has a big part of me too like it, it it's funny like long island I learned a lot about culture in Long Island. Mm-hmm. I grew up with Jewish kids, you know, Italian kids. I learned about, I guess we could call it white culture. Yeah. I mean, American yeah, culture. Why like, not? Why you know, not? sports, football, soccer, baseball, Yeah, so you baseball, got every single different club, perspective, angle. Played an instrument. Yeah. So I, I grew up in a, in a middle-class white neighborhood, but I was one of the, the Indian kids that would always go back to Queens every weekend. Right. And when I went back to Queens every weekend, I was with my Indian friends. And over there... Well, we talk about different stuff. Right. We talk about hip-hop and stuff like that. And fashion at that time, you know, you're talking cross colors, Carl uh, Kanai, Jenko jeans yep. with the Timberlands. Nautica challenge jackets. Nautica, yeah. polo, polo sport, yep. you know, all that. Yep. So I was going to Queens, figuring out the stuff, the style. My dad had a deli now in the city, Canal Street. I would buy the fake Carl Kanai bring it back to Long Island, sell it to the kids in school, started DJing, 93, started selling bootleg Carl Kanai and mixtapes, and that was my first hustle. Okay, there you go. Did you know that? No, I, I didn't know that you were selling bootleg shit from, from <laughs> Canal Street. I mean, I was buying it for 10 and selling it but for whatever, 20. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I was cool for that. Like, yeah, they didn't know. Yeah, hell yeah, why not? Yeah. You're a cool kid. You got This guy's a plug. You got everything. Yeah, I've always been a plug. Yeah. So I've always been the plug and I've always known people to to kind of maneuver around. Right. Um and when I started DJing, I was always in honors classes too. Okay. So I was like I was the the dumbest in the honors classes, if that makes okay. sense. Like there was all the kids who were mad smart. Right. And then I was the 
the kid who was smart. Right. Didn't try, didn't read, didn't study. Right. But I made it to the honest class. Maybe they put me in because I was Indian? <laughs> no, nah, I, I, I don't think so. I, I think that's know. definitely a prerequisite, but or one of the prerequisites. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. I was in the honors classes like ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade. And by 12th grade, I just I, I was checked out of, of education, period. I yeah, was into that's when you were heavy DJing, like really getting off the ground. Bro, right? 93, I start DJing. 95, I start really going hard. And not trying, like, remember, there's no Instagram, there's no nothing. It was make, make tapes, sell them to people, and yeah. play parties. That's so, what it so, is. so I started with the tapes. You did you start with vinyl? Did you? What did I you start with? I started with vinyl. I started vinyl. with vinyl. We saw Juice, the movie Juice. Okay. I saw it with my man um, Suchin. Okay. And this, um, my other man Naveen, and we started a crew called SNS because Juice inspired us. Juice actually inspired a lot of lot of DJs. I think so. Yeah, like Juice DJ Q from Juice was like was we watched that. A gazillion times right right and again outsiders we're brown kids birth to brown parents right. living in the suburbs like yeah going back not, to the hip-hop there was no trajectory for mm -hmm. us there was no pre-written path there was no like what are you supposed to do it's just that's what we felt did into. you know any indian kids that like like alternative music absolutely rock music absolutely yeah. and that's always been the thing because it's like when you're you're from our culture and you like what you like sometimes you get judged yeah and I mean now, I'm mature, right? Yeah, so I've grown up. But back then, like, was it clicky? Were the like, crews who listen to hip hop just a absolutely? Stick together? And, if, and if you judged, and if you were, if you were like in that, then they'd be like, they'd be like "Yo, you, you think you're black?" Got it. Or then if you were into like rock and like you're you white. know, or you think you're like, right. so there was no concept yet of like we. It was so primitive, you know. The the whole brown thing was it was so early, right? So your identity was with one or the other. It was never really your own individual. Right. Like if yeah. you hung out with white kids, then yo, you're a wannabe. You want to be white, right? right? If you hang out with black kids, yo, you want to be black, right? Because there wasn't enough of us together. Like to find each other, you had to go to different towns. And Queens had like, them all. Everyone was in Queens. <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, we all got together, stuck together, and ended up building this amazing scene right. that still exists today. What was the first party you DJed? The first, like, like, like club like, or like, like, no, whatever. I don't, basement, backyard. First club. party I DJed, I was like in ninth grade. We just bought our equipment and it was in a hospital, in Nassau County Medical Center. Um, we, I had my mom's hatchback. Um, my man, my man at school, his name was Yasser. His, he was a Pakistani kid who we're still cool. I don't see him a lot, but he was always into the DJ thing. Mm. Like, he was like, yo, he was like my, my, my boy. So he told his dad, who was like a resident at the hospital, mm -hmm. when they were having their holiday event, get us to do it. Remember, there's no internet. There's no way to check references. There's nothing. No. It was like, all right, you want a DJ? Bring your stuff. Come play. And I, maybe we got paid. I don't even remember. But we played, and it was terrible. <laughs> I was so bad. The music was... Were you playing like... What, what were you playing? Like play, Tupac um, in the hospital? Or? No, there was a, a record. I forgot the name of the group, but... If you get if you bootleg, you get your leg broke. You know the re nah. it, I don't even. It, there were like a group like Onyx, but it wasn't Onyx, and I was playing that and <laughs> stuff like that, like Apache. You know, okay. like not Apache Indian, right, Apache right. gangster bitch. Y yeah, yeah. Like just shit that doctors at that time. Maybe yeah. if you play a doctor party now, right? Everything's hip hop, right? Like, right. Hip hop is the number one music in the in the country now. Yeah, so absolutely. So everything goes. You could play Drake for doctors. Yeah, now. and they're vibing. But back then, you couldn't play. Onyx and Lords of the Underground and whatever I was playing, so it was just awful. But luckily, I had, we had some common sense. So if I had like Donna Summer Records, 
Michael Jackson records, whatever I had that was like that pop, could pop and pop old school, whatever yeah, yeah. I would throw. And again, there was less expectations back in the right, day. It was right. just a bunch of kids playing records. Bring but, your speakers, bring your music, and just play some yeah, music. But yeah, but the big, the biggest, like early for me, which is like crazy now to think about it. By when '96 came around, the Indian scene was popping. Mm-hmm. Indians were viable in the city, so we had a big following. So we were able to go to big clubs. This is before you got into the clubs. This is before we met. Mm-hmm. But we were able to go into like the tunnel, Palladium, Limelight, and tell management and owners like we're going to bring a thousand people here tonight. Did they laugh at you when you first said that to them? I wasn't part of that part, okay. but it was older promoters. But I was the DJ, so right. the promoters would book the room, and they were packing them out, and we were bringing people in. So there was one night in '96 I'll never forget that the promoters I was working with were Paragon. Red was part of it, and they got us the Palladium. That was like the that was Funk Flex's night. Okay, so. We got flyers made. It said I was running with a crew called SNS at the time, so it was SNS Sounds, DJ Sherrod, with Funkmaster Flex at the Palladium. Ninety six, epic, ridiculous. Yeah, because Flex was bigger than life. At yeah, that yeah, time, hell yeah, right? hell yeah. Not to say he's not now. He's you know. He's, yeah, but he, that was the heyday. Like it was. Yeah, it was incredible. High ninety seven was everything. Okay. Everything. Yeah. yeah. So we get to the club, and now we're the opener, and then Flex goes on when he goes on you know, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, whatever. So we, clubs open at 10. We're there at like nine o'clock and nervous as hell. I'm not even 18. Get to the club, mad crates of records. There's like six DJs on the bill with us in our, in our crew. Word. It was a bunch of DJs. Everybody got the same record. Everyone has mad records. (laughs) Um, We bring the crates. We, they put them in the downstairs of Palladium and they're like, all right, you guys could go up at 10. Yeah. We go up like 10, 15, a bunch of dudes come in the booth. Like, yo, get get the F out of the booth. What you mean? Yeah. We're here to DJ. Like, what are you talking about? Like, nah, this is Flex's night. You got to get out. So that never ended up happening then? Yo, we got kicked out of the booth. It was Damn. the biggest, like, downer ever. And it was packed with Indians. It was packed with everybody. Okay. It was a hip-hop night. So it was, it was mostly mostly black. Okay. But then it was like half and half because we brought our people. Right. And ultimately, like, we all started meshing with each other anyway. It's a party, right? Right. So, yeah, it was just a packed night and we never got to play. And this goes back to, you know, I want to just point out like, yo, Flex kicked us out of the booth in 96. Ready? Mm-hmm. Two ways to go at that point. Fuck this DJ shit. I can't believe that happened. I'm going to cry and, and I'm not going to get up. Right. Nah, we just kept it moving. Like, it is what it is. Like, you take your lumps. Right. So, whatever. Next week, there's another party. Next week, there's another party. Next week, there's another party. We still keep going. But that flex opportunity, which was so big to us, mm-hmm. just <laughs> squashed. Fast forward to 2003. Yeah. Now we're super popping. Now instead of bringing a thousand people in, we're doing parties around the country. We're doing three, four, five thousand people at, at conferences in like DC, Miami, etc. We do uh, Bungra Blowout, which was a massive event. It still goes on, but it's very different now. You were with me in this time. I was with you at this were time. Were you with me at, at, in 2003? I was. At, at Old Post Office Pavilion? I was there, yeah. So Old Post Office, Old Post Office Pavilion, we get hired to do. Bungra blowout. It, this is a post office. Yeah. Government building. Rented out by us. Our community. 4,000 people inside. 4,000 people outside that can't get in. 
Uh, and who's the lineup? It's me, another person, Jen, and who was was it? RB? I don't think it was RB. I think it was. It uh, was RB. It was Karma. It was, it was Karma. It was right, the rest, karma. rest in peace, RB. Rest in peace, RB. It was RB. I don't, but I can't remember. I can't recall if it was RB or it might have been when RB and and, and um, Tinku split up. So it might have been Tinku and not RB. But regardless, rest in peace to my man RB. Uh, he was a vital part of this whole community, and, and we'll touch on him uh, at some point um, in the next, in one of our episodes for sure. He's mm-hmm. so integral to what we do. Um, but who's the headline in DJ now? Funk Master, Master Flex. Flex. Yep. So now we're hiring Flex <laughs> and cutting his check <laughs> oh, shit. in 03. So just it just tells you, like, 96, fuck you, get out the booth. 03? Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't like that, but it was like the tables were slowly yeah, turning. Yeah. So, like, people who, who are, are here now and, like, you see collabs with, like, J Balvin, Beyonce in the Latin scene. Mm-hmm. Fucking incredible. But how many times did someone at a label slam the door on J Balvin? How many times did they say, nah, that Latin thing is not going to work in this market? Right. Point being, the Desi... And the hip-hop thing was always meant to be together. If you understand our story and understand our plight and where we come from, like, you think any hood in anywhere in America is bad? Try going to India. Try, try going there and living there for a week. Try living there for two days. Live in the slums in, in Mumbai for two days. Yeah. Go to, go to Calcutta for two it. days. Go to Bangladesh for two days. Go to Pakistan to the mountains and try to survive. So I, I think that speaks to, you know, not only our people, but all immigrants and, and children of immigrants of, of how persistent they are and how they will always persevere because of their persistence. And so, you know, Jay Balvin got declined probably a hundred times by whoever, but now look at him. He's one of the biggest superstars out there. Point being right. is that, yeah, that that lump that we took that one time yeah. led to the next situation. Right. You, you persisted and just kept on pushing. But crazy, if you even fast forward more, now 2000, that was 2003, time is and consistency is, is what keeps it going. Mm-hmm. Fast forward now 10 years. Now... We built DJ USA yep. starting in 2003. We really have to touch on that because that's our baby. That's my baby. Yeah. That's your that's baby. my baby, yeah. We built DJ USA from a small little DJ agency starting in 03 off of all those clubs that we were talking about to now opening a DJ company in 03, right? Yep. I opened up this company in 03 solo with a team. Certain guys that have been there from the beginning are still there today. You, Shunin. Ashish G, Marco, Max, Max right? Yeah. That's all the originals that's, that's that were the core, there. That's the core, yeah. Right? So all these guys were there from Jump and to this day still with us. And from being opening a small DJ agency running out of Floral Park, New York, mm-hmm. we then continue to book parties and maneuver and maneuver and maneuver, leading us to build a multi-million dollar DJ agency. Incredible. It's surprising. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think we should get into that, but I think before we do, we should probably talk a little bit about how you and I met. I, I mean, I briefly touched upon it in that one session, but like our history, right? So from my perspective, it was that one meeting that kind of... You know why I like this though, this podcast? Why? Because generally like 
I always do the talking. Big yeah. brother, you do the listening. Yeah. Little brother. Yeah. Let's fuck that. Yeah. Go ahead. That's what it's about. It's tell it's tell about. your story, man. Because I, I, the reason why, like, I, I, when I when I thought of doing this thing, it was so important. And honestly, it was. It, I, I hit Pete before I hit you. Mm. And I was just going to do this thing solo. And then I was like, you know what? Who's the dude that has been with me from jump and helped me get to this point? No one does it solo. Like anybody who's popping, who does anything to make any impact, has a squad. And hands down, like the person that stood with me through everything was you, Juice. Thanks, bro. So I think same, same with you, man. I think uh, I think it's important. I've been telling my story, and and now's the time. Like we have this platform, we're building this platform for ourselves. Like tell that story, yeah, man. Hell yeah! So, from my perspective, it was that that one uh, meeting that we had that kind of just changed everything for me because Red's basement, Red's basement, two thirty ninth Street, paint the down, picture down the block, two thirty ninth in Jamaica, two thirty ninth Street, Jamaica Ave, we're in Floral Park, meet Sherrod, cutting it up, more money, more problems, and I was mesmerized, man, because what he was doing, I was hearing pause. on the radio. No pausing, none of that <laughs> shit over here, bro. We're just rocking. So anyway, um, yeah, and then and then after that, it just inspired me to to really you know get get more records and 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 just practice my craft and and save up for turntables and really start getting the tools that I need to make it. And you kind of took a liking to me at that time, even out even Pause. though I was young, and I was <laughs> I was young and persistent, still persistent. But um, at that point, you know. Um, I moved from Floral Park to Great Neck. That's when your dad became a millionaire, right? My dad did pretty good for himself. Right, but um, he came with nothing. He came with nothing. He still gave me nothing. I had to earn every single penny. So much respect for that. Yeah, word. Uh, I definitely appreciate the fact that my father instilled that in me. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, from there, I just I started working, buying whatever I could equipment-wise, records-wise, Keeping my connections with you, keeping my connections with with you know a lot of my other friends who were interested in the same same lane, and then I think we reconnected really like when I was in a freshman in high school. Like I was early college, I was throwing teen parties. Exactly, at the time. that's when we connected. Exactly. I, was, I moved out of the Indian scene for a little bit. Yep, and I was renting out clubs, like Exit. Yep, partnering with, the, them with the big boys, doing Fifty Cent. Um, you know all those artists at that time, right? Early two thousands. Yeah, absolutely. So then, and then, uh, and that's when you and I kind of connected, and you're like, "Yo, you want to be my sub promoter, and maybe you know you could you could do something DJ wise too." I was like, "All right, if this is my my way in, then fuck it. Yeah, I'm doing it." Got like some tickets from you, pushed it to everybody at school, sold a bunch, and it was easy at that time. So easy. Everybody wanted to go to parties at that time. Yeah, and especially, and people were intrigued by me because I when I went to high school, I was in Great Neck, which right. is predominantly Jewish and Persian. And now how do the persons talk, man? Uh, uh, Arun, how about you? So nice to see you today. Um, but yeah, what bro, what are you doing? What what, are, what is for lunch today? <laughs> and uh, and I was just like, yo, I was a kid from Queens, so everyone would either like fear me or love me, but they were just straight intrigued by me. So I would just be cool with everybody. Yo, what's up? Yo, what's up? What are you doing? Yo, you want to party this weekend? Now, did you feel any type of way being? Again, in Great Neck, there wasn't a lot of South Asians there. Not at all. Maybe maybe one or two kids in my school. So you never had that feeling like, yo, I'm an outsider because I'm not, I'm not of any of these people. I culture? did, but but because I came from a place that kind of like made me, like, gave me thick skin, and gave me confidence and like street smarts. Like I just, I was aggressive. 
So I wow. didn't I didn't allow that to get me down and 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 just mess with my mind. I just was still like, yo, look, I'm I'm from Queens. Yeah, word, what's up? My name is Arun. Like, let's go. What are you doing this weekend? Like, you you guys are all gonna go to a house party, or you want to go to the city and convince your parents? And at that time, you know these these kids' parents really didn't give a shit. <laughs> um, so they were down and they were spending money, man. And and I was rocking. And you used I, to sell a lot of tickets for a me, a lot of tickets. And then uh, and then you're like, yo, all right, cool. You met your quota this for this one. You could open up in the in the red room or the blue room at exit at exit. Crazy, what a club, man. And I was 14 years old DJing a club in New York City. It was like the most exhilarating feeling at that time. Internets. Internets. Remember <laughs> what we were talking about, inspiration and and knocking down doors. You see that? I was the first dude in in that space. Instead of holding it for myself, I said, yo, here's another kid that's just like me. Um, he's got talent. He can. He has a crowd that's going to come wherever he goes. Let me give him an opportunity instead of being selfish and keeping it for myself. Mm-hmm. Let me put people on. And just to pause you for a second, we'll get back to you. But mm-hmm. not only did you have that shot, I gave that shot to a hundred other kids. Absolutely. Right? I was there and I, I know all those kids. <laughs> and, and and some of those kids went on to become tycoons, millionaires, get into their own businesses. Other kids became DJs. Some were loyal to us. Some were disloyal. I mean, back then it was it was what it was. It was a war zone, right? Yeah. And just get in where you fit in, right? right? But you stuck with me from that moment. Because loyalty is everything, man. You know, you if if you have a liking to somebody and 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 you vibe with them and and you respect them and they respect you, you you know you got to stay loyal, man. That's, that's what you have, right? Um, and that's something my 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 parents and my father specifically told me. So, yeah. And then you know from there it was it was history. We just started rocking more and. Now we're, you know, fast forward a year only and I'm 15 years old and I went from selling tickets at these no ID parties to DJing and opening up at these no ID parties to I'm like, yo, I need more. Like, I I need to do more. I need to be more visible. I want to hang out with these older people and just kind of make sure they see me all the time. And I was like, yo, Sherrod, what else can I do? And you were like, yo, bro, I don't know, man, but stop annoying me. And I think you're like, actually, you know what? Uh, I got a party on Thursday night in the city. I know you're in high school and you're a sophomore, but you want to hand out flyers till like four or five in the morning? And I was like, you paying? He's like, yeah, I'm paying. I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let's go. And me and my boy, Sonu, we, we were doing that for for years until I got bagged by my mom. But uh, but that was it, man. It, just, it was for me just being around it and, and understanding it and seeing it kind of evolve really uh, motivated me to stick with it and, and just kind of you know fast forward now to where i'm at is is this is my life this is this is everything for me so growing up as a kid from my youth it's it's just been ingrained in my dna bro then you graduate high school then i graduate high school and then you go to college then i go to college and i fuck up tremendously but now i'm rocking in college, fuck up tremendously academically t- t- tell us what happened in Nassau community college cuz i was it's a very interesting story um, I was smoking mad weed, just fucking cutting classes, focus on DJing and just partying. Because at that time now, the, the the Indian culture, the Indian scene for me, it was my generation's time. You know, again, 1,500, 2,000 people packed out. Like people would look forward to these events. And now I'm actually DJing at them because I learned the craft and I paid my dues. Um, and it was exhilarating. Like that was the only thing that I really cared about nothing else really mattered at that point and i was making some decent money and but, was, but you do terrible in school i do terrible in school i don't i don't i think my my first year of college i was a 0.0 gpa 
And what happens with your brother and your family? I knew you were getting to this. At your house. I knew you were getting to it's this. It's an important story because, you know, we're going to talk about the fact that you're yeah. a, a master's, right? Yeah, yeah. So that, that changed the trajectory of my life because my brother uh, found out that I was failing miserably because my parents, I guess, had found a report card that came in the mail, a transcript, transcript or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and he was like, yo, enough's enough. And at that time, you guys were still cool. So he called you up. He called We've up. always been cool. We'll yeah. never not be cool. Yeah, you guys have always been cool. Um, we called up all my closest boys and bombarded me like with this like fake-ass ghetto intervention in the basement. But I think he knew that, that the, the person that was probably closest to... To getting you out of the trouble would probably be me at the time. Yeah, hundred percent. I got the first call. Yeah, because you were you were the dude that I that I was messing with from on a business standpoint, um, and just kind of also you were helping cultivate my career, um, and kind of positioning me as a guy you know you know on your team and just kind of took me under your wing. And I'll still you're my one of my mentors for sure. Um, so yeah, he called you up, uh, and you're like fuck. <laughs> yeah, I bet you you probably well, thought like it's well, just because they, of me. what they blamed it on. Just be clear is is um, the DJing like that was a big yeah yeah hundred percent like it was yo you're DJing late night you're when you're not DJing you're going to other people's clubs or you're handing out flyers or you're out or you're you know you're you're chasing this dream that's member there's no no one had made it from our scene yet as right. a career right like, right. It was just like Very one of those few. side hustles. Like, right, it's like you DJed. It was some, like, what else? What's your career going to be? Right. Do you want to be a DJ for the rest of your life? Right, exactly. <laughs> so no one had made it. And because you were DJing, they're all looking at me. Your parents. Yeah. Your parents never said it to me, but parents, your brother. Never said it directly because I always had my stuff together. Right. But what? But that call, you already knew what that call right. was. Right. So if I didn't, if I don't take interest at that point, it would have never gotten to this point. I think so. I think that was a, a big turning point for me, at least, because I. It for, I mean, everybody just bombarded me. It was. It was. It, it hit me at that point. I was like, "Yo, you know what? It's time for me to really get my shit together because all these motherfuckers around me care about me, and I gotta. I gotta stop thinking about myself for a second and make other people happy and proud too. So yeah, at that point, I was like, "All right, I gotta get my act together." Went back to school. Um, end up getting my bachelor's degree, got into a master's program, uh, got my master's. I graduated with distinction. All while you're doing that. Now we're in the mid Oh, yeah. I know. I'm kind of like rushing through like a decade. but Yeah. that's uh, two, You're talking like 2000 yeah, 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 early. Yeah. Early 2000. I graduated high school 2003. Uh, didn't get my act together really till 2006, honestly. Um, right. And then, uh, but. So you go through ups and downs. Ups and downs, right. And then, because um, I. So although I was doing better academically, I just didn't know what I wanted to do academically. So I was taking the wrong classes. I couldn't really apply it to where the fuck I wanted to go. And now you're also excelling DJing. I'm also excelling DJing because in 2003, DJ USA opens we, up. We open it up. We open up the market for what we're doing. Yup, yup. And you're I'm number I'm the number one guy out. You're the number two guy out yep. in the team. Yep. I'm not saying I'm not not saying in the in in the whole scene. It's in our team. In our was, team. I was getting a call to DJ when I was booked. You were getting well. Me and Ashish were two. Like we were both of us were like number two. But Ashish had his own following, and you were with me. And he was always, you know, part time with it. Yes, you were more available all the time. Yeah, because I was was young. Yeah, he was already a corporate, and I was young. So yeah, and then so you were cheaper. Also, I was way cheaper, bro. Yeah, I could pay you less. (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so that was it, man. You know, I uh, I started rocking private events more and more. 
Right. So you're DJing, mm-hmm. going to school. Going to school. Back on track in school. Back on track in school. And then you decide you want to go get a master's. So, yeah, it, my cousin uh, is a occupational therapist. And while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, uh, you know, career-wise, um, because I didn't at that point, I didn't know DJing was everything or running a company was everything for me. I just really needed to, one, appease my parents and make sure that they were comfortable with what I was doing. And two, also really find a viable thing to do uh, as a career. And she was coaching me and she was saying, look, you know, this is something that, that's attainable. It's, it's, you're at the right school for it. Um, try, you know, applying to the program. And I got in. And the rest was history, man. It was it was the first class I took in my master's program that I think I want to say it was another big like turning point in my life because the professor that I had challenged the shit out of me and everybody in that class. And on the first day, I'll never forget that she's like, everybody look around. Half of you will not be here in one week because you will be dropping out of my class or you will fail. Motivation. It was it was crazy. I was like, what? This, this lady's crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'll, I'll be here. Um, but she was right, yo. Like literally, half the class was gone after the first week. It was one of those condensed classes, an- anatomy over the summer. So, yeah. And then from there, bro, I just I, I was continuing to DJ, building my my name up in in our community as a as a private event DJ, um, simultaneously obtaining my my degree. Graduated, got my master's. What year did you graduate? 2012. I got my master. Finished my master's degree. I started working as an occupational therapist, um, helping autistic children. Um, with with life skills and, and just kind of um, dealing with their disability. And it was a very gratifying, rewarding job that I will never discount or undermine. It was, you know, something that really changed my life for sure. Again, another turning point. Um, and then, uh, yeah, man, um, you know, I, after, after working for a couple of years as an OT, I decided, yo, what's next for me? And, you know, all the roads came back to DJ USA and the rest was history. And then DJ USA blew up when you became more involved. DJ USA in 2014, I became a partner in the company, and from there it was just crazy. And, and just just so so listeners know, so DJ USA evolved in that time period, 03 to, to, to 2011. We never stopped working, we never were satisfied, we never took a break, and we went from this small local. Predominantly South Asian DJ agency to partnering with some of the biggest DJs on projects uh, in in hip hop uh, and in mainstream music, um, and then started working for mega brands, uh, mega global brands, including Adidas, Samsung, Puma, New Balance, Under Armour. The list could keep going. Uh, who else did we work for yesterday? Oh, Sprint. Sprint. Et cetera. So yeah. point being is, is like we were told don't do this DJ thing. Many people looked at us crazy. It was not in our trajectory at all early on. And to this day when people ask me what I do and I say I DJ, they're like, well, what else do you do? The real thing is, is what else do I not do? Because yeah. now we do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, and that's what led us to Butter Chicken. That's that's why we're sitting here today is to not just tell our stories. Today was to give you an introduction of, of who we are and, and what led us to this point. But Butter Chicken is going to be a place where people that have inspiring stories, that have made impact in the game of life 
to come and tell us their story, tell us about their pitfalls, tell us about uh, what inspires them, tell us advice, give us tips, um, tell us things that maybe we should look out for in the game. Um, we're going to look at some of the youth, some of the some of the the people that are doing it now that we're looking at. Like, damn, like you're you're about to go to this next level, and we're a generation or two above you, mm-hmm. but we see what you're doing and we respect that too. Absolutely, and that's a big thing of bridging the gap. It's bridging the gap between cultures. That's what butter chicken is, right? Absolutely, we're bridging the gap between our desi culture and everything mainstream, and then we're bridging the gap between young and old. Right, we're yeah, bridging. We're gonna absolutely. we're gonna have some of the most inspiring people to us over over the course of the next few weeks, and it's just gonna be an incredible run, man. And I'm I'm excited to do it do it uh, for the culture. I'm excited to do it for the people. Uh, I'm excited that you're part of it. Me too, man. It's gonna be something incredible. It's gonna be something impactful. We're gonna understand the the complexity of of this dish is a parallel to the complexity of these people's lives, and and understanding the different layers is really gonna shed light and and you know uh name me bring... name me three people who who we're gonna have on this who 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 you know we're gonna get who three, are gonna be on this three people number one one of or my... who you want to be on this absolutely for sure my man's since i was a young kid growing up in floral park of course heems who's done so many great things you um, want to know that story to, who wants to know this? Do I, I want to know. I want to know his story because we we grew up together playing ball at 172, and just kind of just being the two chubby kids, fucking causing a ruck, ruck, and just just going crazy. And uh, and then after he's got a great story, man. There's so much we probably don't. Yeah, know. yeah, I mean, exactly. We don't know a lot. Nah, for sure. And then like I, in like mid mid high school, we kind of lost touch, and um, we were always cool, obviously, but. I want to know his story from then onwards and really, you know, how he got to the point where he's at. Like, when did music really come into his life? Because we would, we would listen to music and, like, I remember just, like, I would sleep over the kid's house. We'd just watch music videos the whole entire night. Crazy. It was crazy. Who, so. who else you want to see? Shit. Oh, man. Um, Desi, non-Desi, doesn't matter, right? It don't matter, man. It's, I mean, we're, gonna, we're, we're here to inspire uh, and we're here to, to tell stories. Yeah, I I wanna I wanna hear the stories of 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 you know I'm not gonna name anybody specific, but I wanna hear th- how people made it to the point where they got and where they're at now. Just you know, like you know who someone I want I want to talk to. Tell me, please. See, we look at we look at all these these we look at artists, we look at singers, we look at producers. That's amazing, mm-hmm. right? In 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 the space that we're in in music. Mm-hmm. But a, a person that I really want want to hear from, and I, I hope I hope we can get him soon is is Dr. Samin Sharma. Incredible human being. Dr. Samin Sharma is a client of ours. Uh, he is he has hired us for countless events at Mount Sinai Hospital. So he's he's religiously cut us checks <laughs> over the years and helped our brand grow mm-hmm. and put us in front in a place that we would probably never have an opportunity, right? And he's also the chief of cardiology at Mount Sinai, which essentially he saves thousands of lives him and his department which he built save thousands of lives yeah. annually <laughs> they're the number one cardiology department uh in in the country mm-hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna i want to see i want to hear and speak to dr samin sharma and i want to hear his story it's amazing man yeah uh, you know we'll, we'll wait to get him on so everyone can hear but um i could attest to what you said and and he's definitely an incredible human being music wise i want to hear from from rackstar too Rackstar? I love Rackstar's music. I like Mickey Singh. 
think he's got an incredible voice. We're going to get Mickey. We're going to get everybody. Butter Chicken Podcast is going to be crazy. Check us on all podcasting platforms. The Butter Chicken Podcast is where it's at. We're bridging the gap between our Daisy community and everything else. What you say, Juicy? Butter Chicken, let's get it popping, baby. Let's go. Fat free. Fat free. Ow. 